Hello and welcome to the Crooked Noise podcast, an independent podcast about independent music and those within it. I'm your host, Tom Newman, founder and A&R Crooked Noise Records. Our first guest is Nathan Phillips, better known as Barley from Basic Records. It's a really fun conversation we had at Basic HQ. Barley was really cool, really forthcoming with his views towards A&R and how he's got Basic to where it is now. So without further ado, here's my chat with Barley. What I wanted to start with was um, kind of how we met, which is weird because this is the first time we've ever actually sat down. Yeah, yeah. So technically we've not really met, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, we have. Do you remember a few years ago when you had a meeting with Carl? I came with Carl to that. I was his intern. Yeah, I do remember that. Like, yeah. literally, I think I was 19, so what, like six, five, five, six years ago? Yeah, sure. No, of course I remember that. And Didn't we go and get breakfast? Is it, yeah, we, we got a fry up, yeah, and yeah. I literally don't think we spoke since... I might have emailed you once or twice for something on Carl's behalf, something to do with Eye Divide, maybe. Okay. But, um, but so then, fast forward a few years. Yeah, and you left. And I then. email you to say, look... I don't really know the purpose of this email, but I'm starting a label. <laughs> like, I just thought I'd let you know. And the response I got from you was just... Bear in mind, I don't know you. It was... Or you, or, sorry, you don't know me. I know you very well. I know, you know, I know your label. I look up to your label. You email me back just being cool. Anything I can do, hit me up. And I just thought, fuck, that's a cool email to get. Fast forward a few months, I let you know, this is the aesthetic of the label, this is what I've signed. And... The day I launched a label, I had basic records in my Twitter feed saying, look, I've got a friend's label starting. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. And obviously the invite to the A meetings as well. Yeah, yeah, it sure. It was really kind of putting the hand down, you know, kind of... I don't know, I just thought it was the coolest thing. Oh, cool, I think man. it's well, the most... I think that says a lot about who you are, the fact that you're... at the. I don't want to say you're at the top. I don't want to inflate your ego, but you're at the top pulling people up, which is, I think, I don't want to say a rarity in kind of the entertainment or creative industries, but yeah. I just thought at the time, I just thought that was the coolest thing. That's oh, cool, man. I mean, honestly, I, I, I just think it's really important. I just think mm. it's a really, really important thing to do. Um, and, you know, I mean, we're, we're not at the top by any, by any stretch of the imagination. I'm still looking, uh, you know, for help from other people to pull us up you know, to, to kind of certain things. And, and that's kind of, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's sure it's a, it's a, maybe it's a, a personality, individual personality thing, but at the same time, I just, you know, as a, as a, as a company, um, you know, and as a label, um, especially as an independent label within the, you know, the genres that we work in, um, I just think it's really important that we, you know, that we all work together regardless of whether we're, 30 years old or whether we're 30 days old mm. um you know i kind of that's my philosophy that's my my ethos i guess um but yeah i mean you know it was i was really stoked to see you uh you know start your own thing and you know sign your own bands and you know and everything else and and yeah i mean any kind of you know help or attention that we could kind of give to you know because it, it i i just i mean i remember being in that position myself when we you know when when i started basic and um it's fucking difficult, man. It's like yeah. you know, it's, it's that's an not, understatement. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, for like for me, it was like I, I mean, it was super difficult. I, mm. you know, I'd gone through um, some a really kind of turbulent time in in, in my life. I, I, you know, I worked in a completely different industry. Um, I worked for an aerospace company. I had a company car. I had a wicked salary, mm. um, and I went through depression. <laughs> Um, I don't know why I'm laughing about that. It wasn't funny at all. <laughs> um, but the um, I kind of went through this like massive uh, black spot where basically what was happening was is that on the flip side of all of this, I knew exactly what I wanted to be doing with my life, but I couldn't do anything about it. Mm. Um, and the longer I left it, the more trapped I became in this kind of totally different life that I didn't want for myself. Um, and... So, you know, that, those early days, I, I mean, I, I plucked up the courage and, and ra rose, sorry, raised a little bit of uh, cash um, to basically stick my job to the man um, and come and, you know, kind of start my own thing. And uh, 
that was really, really scary. Um, that, that is ballsy because I, mean, I know you've got kids. I don't know if you had kids at the time or whatever. But yeah, I had, I, mean, two, I had two kids, wife, mortgage, everything. I mean, that's even scarier. You actually had, <laughs> you know, I'm just fending for myself here. I'm single, what have you, but you actually had a family and everything yeah, it was, on the line, essentially. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, I, I, I did have a contingency. I was just like... If this doesn't work out, I'm not too proud that I'll just, you know, that I won't go back and get any old shit job, mm. whatever. I don't care. You know, at the end of the day, I'm not going to see my, my kids go hungry mm. just, you know, because I've got pride that, you know, I can't bear to, you know, admit that I failed or whatever. If I fail, I fail. It's, yeah. You know, but the thing for me was trying. Yeah. It was like, I've got to try to do this. And if I, if it fails, no problem. I've tried. It didn't work out. But at least I know. And that's... I mean, that's a whole other podcast and without going too deep. <laughs> quite, quite a lot of my friends, they come to me if I do They say, I want to do this. Is this a good idea? I'm like, it doesn't matter what I think. Just mm. fucking do it. It doesn't matter what anyone... Just, just do it. Yeah. And I think that's definitely um, my kind of mantra with running the label is just fucking do it, do it try it, um, and just see where you go with it. And obviously that was your mindset going into it. Yeah, definitely. And, I, I, and what? Here we are 12 years later. Is it 12 years now? Uh, it was probably, it was only about seven, eight years ago that I actually jacked my job and did it, right. did it full time. Um, it, because, it, I mean, the first few years of doing the label, I was still working that job. Mm -hmm. And I was doing the label part time. Um, mm. Just, you know, well, I say part time. But, you know, it was, you, you know exactly what it's like. You're just... Like two you know, full-time jobs. It's non-stop. <laughs> it's, it was absolutely non-stop, which was another thing that was kind of breaking me down. Um, but I just, yeah, I mean, going back to your original point, I just remember through those kind of first few years, especially when I took it as kind of full-time, mm. how difficult it was. Um, and for me, I kind of didn't really feel like there was a lot of help out there to be able to kind of, you know, this is what you should be doing. Luckily, mm. I'm a, you know... A headstrong dickhead that will just kind of like you know I'll just crack on and get it and yeah. just do it whichever way I think should it should be done or maybe you know hopefully just the best way try and use some common sense you know I, I mean I did obviously I had you know previous job actually set me up pretty well I was an operations manager so I had some kind of you know management skills and you know and everything else and I, I knew what I was doing with with regards to you know the music and the A&R mm. and I knew you know I knew a good band from a shit band and you know and everything else like that so it wasn't that part wasn't really the difficult stuff the difficult stuff was honestly getting along in the industry yeah. um you know making progress um you know getting yourself heard getting yourself in front of people making connections with people having those relationships just getting the exposure that you need for not only for yourself and the label but for the artists that you're working with um you know all of that stuff is really hard and it doesn't really it's not really like a magic switch you can flick um, it comes over time and you have to build that yeah. up yourself but in the meantime there were one or two people Actually, more than one or two. Um, I mean, I would say, you know, close to half a dozen people that, that similarly, you know, put their hand out to me um, and helped me, you know, when I was around that sort of time. Not in, a, not in any kind of massive way, but just to kind of like, oh, you know, can I pick your brains on this? And then it will be, yeah, sure, no problem. You may want to check out such and such for, you know, so legal advice or this, you know, this person's a really good lawyer or there's some resources on you know this particular website you should check that out you know that kind of stuff so kind of pointers you know that kind of stuff i didn't i didn't have a, a mentor as such um but i definitely had you know kind of one or two people that are still in the industry now a couple of them aren't um that definitely helped me out and you know same to them props to those guys because mm. you know without them you know i'd have found i'd have found it very solitary and you know it would have been sort of quiet quite a lonely place, I think, sort of yeah. trying to, you know, trying to get on. But the good thing is about us and, you know, our community and whatever is that largely everyone's pretty decent. Mm. You know, there are, you know, there's a few pricks, but there's a few pricks <laughs> everywhere. So, yeah. but largely everyone's really cool and everyone wants to see each other do well and help each other out. And nobody really cares that, you know, you run this label and, you know, you signed that band and, you know, we're now in competition. I mean, you know, there is a bit of competition, but... I don't know. There's room enough for everyone to do their own thing and get and get on. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool. I think as well, without kind of boosting my or your ego, um, if you want a career in the music industry, starting your own record label is certainly, I would say, choosing the hard road. Yeah, wouldn't you agree? Like, I mean, I know from my, you know, my personal experience, I've been doing this two years, and I, I don't make enough money to live. No, like, not nearly. 
And I don't know, it's just kind of that... Um, it's, it's fucking hard. Yeah. Running a label is it is really hard. Yeah, it is really hard. And, and honestly, I mean, you know, but I didn't make enough money to, to live off it for nearly five years. Mm. So, you know, I mean, unless you are, you know, either very lucky or you can find someone to, you know, to kind of invest to get you where you need to get to, um, you know, you have to do it the hard way. Mm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you just... I, I think the problem is is that your your creativity will always want to be somewhere that your budget won't allow. Um, and yeah. it's, you know, that's the difficult thing. You have to kind of temper your your growth with reality mm. um, and, uh, you know, just suck it up sometimes and just say, you know, look, if I want to, if I want to do this and just, you know, just make sure you, you've got the right mindset and be in it for the long game. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you're expecting just to be able to go, yeah, cool, let's... Start a label, and I'm. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, I mean, you you need to you need to either have you know another label bankrolling what you're doing, or you know, independent private investment, or mm. you know, whatever. You can't be expected to just you know, even if you've just you know, if you've saved up a few grand and you know you've kind of tried to kick things off, that will get you going. It won't get you living. Um, but you know, it, it really depends. You know, I mean, you'll you'll probably come from the same place as me, where you you know, initially you didn't start the label to you know to 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 make a living. You started the label because you love the bands and you love the music and you wanted to help them reach a wider audience. Yeah, like, too right. That's that's where it starts. So the first few years of basic, mm. what do they look like? Because I think <clears throat> were Enid Shikari not in the picture. Yeah, so I mean, that's kind of where that's where it all kind of started really i mean we it was me and my younger brother um we were going to shows local shows all the time which is that luton area yeah so yeah. kind of <clears throat> st albans uh luton milton Keynes, <clears throat> that kind of that kind of area really um some over in essex like harlow and you know and everything else uh and and some in london obviously inevitably as well um, but it was very much the local scene and out of that scene were kind of, you know, there was some great bands kind of coming out of those, you know, kind of home county scenes around the time that we started the label. Um, and really, it, all we wanted to do was, like I said a minute ago, just kind of, wouldn't it be cool if we could help, re you know, those bands reach a wider audience? Um, you know, I was putting on shows kind of here and there and, you know, we, we knew a few people at, you know, Kerrang! and Metal Hammer and, you know, various other things. So we just decided to, okay... What we should do is we should make some compilation CDs with all of these fucking awesome bands and we should get them out to everybody that we know. And, you know, just this isn't a money-making thing. This is a showcasing thing where we just say, you know, look, check out these awesome bands. You know, this is, this is the next, you know, kind of group of, yeah. of, of bands that are kind of coming through that you need to pay attention to. Um, and yeah, within that group was Enna Shikari, um, Fell Silent, who, you know, they kind of went on to do a couple of bits and then, you know, obviously split up and are now in Tesseract and Monuments and... Oh, yeah, uh, the amount of talent that's come out of that. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's one band and you've got like mm. three kind of, you know, massive kind of, you know, very talented bands that kind of came from that one project. And um, yeah, First Signs of Frost and just, I mean, loads of kind of, you know... Very kind of cool, talented bands that kind of came through. And most of the ones that we, we really wanted to kind of work with were UK-based. But we had a couple, you know, we had some interest from, you know, internationally at that time. Things like Pure Volume and MySpace and, you know, websites like that were really kind of kicking off. And we we're a great hub and a great community for, you know, music fans and bands to really kind of talk to mm. each other. So that helped, um, you know... Enna Shikari are on record hundreds of times talking about how crucial MySpace was for them when they first started. Um, and it was kind of similar for us as well. Um, and yeah, that's that's really how we started, just doing those uh, those initial kind of compilation CDs. Um, and then from there, we, we ended up kind of just doing single deals with, um, with some of the bands. So, you know, the first couple of releases were either singles or EPs or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it just kind of rolled on from there. And I don't think it was until our kind of sixth, seventh release, something like that, until we actually did a, our first album. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but then we, you know, then the next five releases were all albums. Um, and then you're like, oh, okay. All of a sudden, we're like, oh, we've put ten releases out, um, and you know, not in a, not in like you know any short space of time. This was probably over the course of like a year or two. Um, but after that, <clears throat> it kind of you're like, oh, cool. I like doing this. You know, this is this is really you know this is really good. And 
you know those relationships develop and you start you know meeting new people and and then yeah before you know it you're kind of you're on the you know on the road and was that the kind of point after you know 10 albums time you were like i don't know if you had a moment of it was it was it kind of a oh shit this is serious like this is going well you know this could potentially be a career or was that the kind of offset from kind of the get go <laughs> there wasn't it what was really weird was is that there wasn't there wasn't really any there wasn't really any one album mm. that that really kind of you know tipped it for us um or tipped it for me personally it was just an overwhelming i mean we had some great records kind of come out around that time we did Barry tomorrow's first record um portraits which was great um we you know we did the fell silent album you know which was which was awesome and we were working with the Orisha record at that point as well um did their first ep and yeah i mean it was kind of i don't know it was just a really kind of cool sort of nucleus and it wasn't any one of those bands or one of those records that kind of you know that really sort of took off you know they, they all did okay um you know none of them did like you know went stratospheric it wasn't it wasn't like that at all but it was more just a case of you know i kind of did i kind of set the whole thing up because i wanted to do it that's the first you know foremost reason i was just like i feel like i can bring something to the table yeah. i've got something to offer here there's not it's, you know i think anyone that approaches something with uh, what can what can you do for me or what can that do for me I think is completely the wrong way to mm-hmm. go about it. I think you need to look at these things and, you know, what can I give you? What can I bring to the table? Yeah. How can I help? That's really got to be the, you know, the place to start. And I think you, we, I kind of tried to maintain that over the years. Um, but yeah, those kind of, those early days, it was really all about that. It was just, you know, cool, let's go and make a record with this band. Yeah. You know? And, you know, and hopefully we can kind of, collaborate and work together and we can each you know everyone can grow through the through the process um and that happened and i think you kind of you do that with with enough of the right bands and you know i mean that definitely happened for us with you know with fell silent and with bury tomorrow and you know and that kind of stuff so um so yeah i mean it was it, it was it was great and then i, I don't know just the culmination of <clears throat> just the whole kind of day job thing really not working out for me mm. um and me just wanting it so bad i I just made it happen. I just, yeah. you know, I just, I was just like, no more. Like, you know, I've, I, you know, one way or another, I've got to get off this, yeah. you know, this shit heap. And, and that is another thing as well. That, again, going back to what I said earlier, if you want something bad enough, you're mm. going to graft to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Again, you, you see people all the time going, oh yeah, you know, I'd love to work in the music industry. It's like, do it then. Yeah. What is stopping you? The only thing between where you are now and being where you want to be is some hard work. Yeah, would, pretty much of anything in life. I would, agree, I would agree with that. I think there's, I mean, there are, don't get me wrong, I, I think there are different types of people in the world, though. Um, I think there are, you know, some that will look for jobs and, you know, they, they'll be quite happy to be employed by someone else and do a fucking fantastic job, mm. you know, within that structure. Um, but they might, you know, I mean, they, they'll be, they could be absolutely at the pinnacle of their career, but they're not the kind of person that will be comfortable running their own business. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think there's a big difference sometimes between someone's skill set and, and someone's entrepreneurship and tenacity for actually, actually saying, well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to strike out on my own and do it. You see, now that you said that, I, I never thought of it like that before, but I definitely, that's where I was before, mm-hmm. you know, grafting for someone else. Then I realised I would be creatively a lot better off doing this for myself. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's, you know, same with you. Obviously, you've started your own label. And, I mean, there's no real, not boundaries, obviously, but, I mean, you're, you're the A&R. You, you, you know, you, you handle all the creative. So, yeah, no, now that I've heard that, that's, that's definitely, um, that rings true with me. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a really hard question. <laughs> this is going to be like, like asking you, which is your favourite child? What's your favourite release Basics put out? Oh, Christ. <laughs> Uh, that is hard. I, I think I've been asked this one uh, a couple of times before, and I think I've taken the, the easy way out. Mm. Um, I d- it is a really hard <laughs> question because the thing is, like, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways you can look at that question. Yes. Um, there could be favorite release I've worked on. Um, you know, fa- a favorite release in in terms of my own personal listening experience mm-hmm. yeah. to the final record. Um, and they're all, I mean, they're all, you know, very, very different. I think, you know, you also got kind of favourites that, 
that you worked really, really hard to, you know, kind of to, to get the band creatively to kind of deliver their their best content and you know their best music and and that kind of stuff and and you know that it could have been bands that didn't sell very well that are very not very well known mm. but it's a per, on a personal achievement kind of you know that could be kind of listed as your favorite so i mean i don't know it's a really it's a really really tough question i would say i mean oh, i don't know i'm picking picking a few out of the hat i mean and this is literally out of the hat um so the No Made Sense record, first album that we did, uh, the Epilanic Karagi is called. Mm-hmm. Is I mean that is probably our worst selling record ever. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's a it's a joke that I have with the band whenever I see them. Um, you know they're like <laughs> just joking about you know how many copies do we have left and you know and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's I mean it is pretty funny, but that record for me. Um, that was a really interesting kind of experience just to, to kind of take three guys that were just sort of finding who they finding out who they were as individuals, um, for, you know, above and beyond kind of finding out where they were going musically, but that just kind of crashed and alchemized into this fucking behemoth <laughs> of a record that, yeah. that just, you know, I still put that on now and I'm like, where did that come from? Like, what? especially if you know the guys like they're the three most like normal dudes like <laughs> ever but they've each got this kind of unique bit of their personality that when put together as a as a trio they could extract and create this uh, you know kind of ridiculous um epic music that just really was a kind of self-indulgent thing that that somehow transpired to just just being an absolutely fucking phenomenal album yeah um and then you know taking it from those pre-prods to them hooking up with um with dan weller um and justin hill we recorded with them um and, what a team. and kind Jeez. of get, and getting it into the studio and taking it to like to the next level and then actually getting, you know, I mean, all of the artwork done, which we had kind of hand-drawn for, you know, all of the, the panels within the CD. And so, you know, that was a real kind of, like, labour of love and, and probably, you know, one of my, my favourite projects to work, yeah. to work yeah. on and sold absolutely fuck all. <laughs> and, you know, for, for me, it was, it was a kind of, you know, it was just one of those things. And you have those records where you're just like, you know you need to check this out and I, I don't know whether it was just too weird or too out there or you know i mean critically it did well yeah um you know the i mean you know reviews and and, and kind of features were you know very forthcoming with you know terrorizer and metal hammer and everything else and you know so editorially people you know those those guys got it um but it just didn't translate into sales mm. um at all but you know i kind of i just i don't care you know at all it's you know for me that was a case of the art is more important yeah um so yeah so that's uh you know that's one um (laughs) but but yeah i mean there's i mean there's tons you know i mean even you know the new canvas record that's just come out as well really good record um you know that again i i think you're just you know whenever you're working with bands that and i i mean i've learned to spot this now a lot easier as i've got older um, and as the labels kind of develops, but you have these sit downs with bands and, and you very, very quickly kind of work out, you know, who are the lifers and, mm. and who are the, who are the pretenders? Um, and the guys in canvas are, you know, for, from what I can see at this moment in time, that are, are lifers. I mean, the, you know, the, this band and this record currently is everything to them. Um, and, you know, just having that kind of conversation about, you know, I mean, I, I, I ask certain questions when I start working with bands, like, you know, how often do you practice? How many songs have you written? You know, what are you working on at the moment? What's your schedule look like? You know, I mean, a whole raft of questions. And it's very easy from their responses to understand how seriously they, they take the band. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kind of what they what they want to achieve. And, and that's the thing. I, I, I kind of, there are a lot of bands that unfortunately you know, don't have that commitment. Um, and I think some bands kid themselves and tell themselves that they do have the yep. commitment. Yeah. Um, but it's it's only when you work with a band that, that really does that you realise, you know, and, and Canvas are a band like that. 
Mm. Um, you know, they're, they're playing people's fucking front rooms in Germany and, and, and whatever and they're just like, you know, wherever they can kind of spread their particular message and that's the other key thing as well for me is when working with a band is, you know, if you're going to be in a band, have something to say. Yeah. If you're in yep. a band and you've got nothing to say, then why are you bothering? Like, exactly. stop wasting everyone's time. You know, it, I mean, like, that's probably the one thing that really winds me up with a lot of bands is is the the pastiche, the cliche, the going through the motions, the you know, all of that kind of stuff that just is rehash and rehash. And mm. if they're honest with themselves, doesn't mean anything to them either. You know, and if it's not, if it doesn't mean anything to them, how the fuck is it meant to mean anything to anybody else? Yeah, um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's the key thing. And, and Canvas are the absolute antithesis of that. They're, they're kind of, you know, they couldn't be further from that um, at all. Definitely from, obviously, I used to work with them years ago. And they were all, you know, the classic, you know, baby band syndrome of, I want to be on this tour, this tour. You know, we want to be like that band. And definitely by the end of working with them, I kind of drilled into them. Don't be the next X band, you know, that you look up to. Be the fucking first canvas, mm. and you know, play those front rooms. Get get a fan base at you know, total like grassroots level. Instead of emulating what like your favorite bands doing, do you know, do canvas. Don't mm. do what they're doing. Um, and fuck me, like that was two years ago, two or three years ago. I stopped working with them. I mean, look, you know, they're doing fantastic now. Mm. Um, as we're recording this, where. Um, about to go see him at the Black Heart. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully that's going to be a killer show. But I mean, even then, like, you see pictures, you know, they're going around Europe and the crowds are just getting bigger and bigger. So props to them. Yeah, this is great. And, re and really, this is their, you know, with, I think that if we're honest with ourselves, you know, this this is the first record where they've, their canvas and, you know, Ricky's, you know, vocal, yeah. you know kind of lead vocal. And, yeah. And they're really, they've really kind of worked out who they are, mm -hmm. and, you know, and what, and what they what they're about and what they're doing, and and you know that that for me is fantastic to kind of to get to the stage where where really this is where it all starts, you know, for them, and um, you know they just need to they need to keep doing what they're doing, and you know they'll they'll if they do if they do that and the, the songwriting is consistent and they're and still you know very high quality, then mm. they have every chance of being you know one of those kind of cult underground bands that you know that just kind of you know like a converge or you know yeah. whatever else that are kind of you know 10 albums in and just you know keep going slogging yeah, yeah. just but they're doing their thing because it's because that's what is, is important to them and it means something you know yeah it, they they give a shit about what what art they're putting out there i definitely say across the board um last crop of bands you've signed like you've got your bad signs your foes um like your devil sold his soul. They're all at different stages of their careers. Mm. Um, and I, I don't think any of the, they don't really, they're all very different bands, aren't they? They are, yeah. So I wouldn't say Basic has, uh, you know, you're not like a tech metal label, you're not a prog rock label or you, what have you. Yeah, I mean... So it's, I how, mean, what's it's, the kind of A&R... Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, in, it's interesting that you say that because a, a lot of people think the opposite. Um, and what happens is, is that over a period of time, you have bands that kind of do okay, um, you know, and have some kind of level of success. And all of a sudden, if you have one or two or three of, you know, bands that are kind of could play a show together or could tour together mm -hmm. and make sense on a tour package, all of a sudden you're known as the label that does that type of yes. music. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you, you know, I, I kind of I have a hard time with that sometimes, actually, um, because that is that is a perception, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, we had some, you know, very successful progressive metal records, and all of a sudden, like that was, you know, that was when we got demos. It was just from progressive metal yeah. bands. Yeah. Um, but I have to say that not at any point have we only done one thing. Our first two releases were compilations. Mm -hmm. of bands that all sounded completely different. Our third record was a single from a band called The Escape who were a three-piece for, for all intents and purposes post-rock. Um, and then we did the Fell Silent EP, which was, you know, fucking tech, tech metal for want of a better word. And it was... So, you know, so then we did, you know, No Made Sense in the Arusha record. And again, you know, No Made Sense was just hugely progressive, definitely metal. Um, and the Arusha record was tech as fuck. But then we did, you know, the algorithm. And 
you know, I mean, what is that? I mean, well, that's but that's the thing. It's amazing, but like you can't. You yeah, know. but 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 again, we did. I mean, literally in that in that kind of couple of year period, we did Bury Tomorrow, which mm-hmm. you know, which again was just you know, you know, very commercial metalcore. Um, you know, that first record I absolutely loved, but you know, the choruses on it are fucking massive, mm-hmm. and it's kind of got you know these great kind of, uh, I don't know, man, like you know, really kind of early metalcore riffs and like, you know, big singy choruses and and that's a very different record from the Ion Dissonance record that we yeah. did or the Algorithm record that mm-hmm. we did, which is just fucking crazy electronics and, you know, and, and everything else. And, and you know, what's interesting now is we've, you know, the last couple of months we just put First Signs of Frost's new EP out. Yes. You know, and they were a band that were on our first record, on, mm-hmm. the comp- on our first compilation. So it's kind of I don't know I get I do get really hung up with with people just thinking that we do one thing and I guess I don't mind that people know us for through certain bands for one thing that's fine mm-hmm. you know that's a great way to bring them to the table but I don't know about you but you know I I treat the label and the A and R much as I treat uh, to a degree my personal listening taste and if all I did was listen to progressive metal I'd get fucking bored out my yeah. mind. I mean, you know, I, I just, I couldn't do it. And as, as a label, I, I don't want to put stuff out that just sounds the same, like, yep. you know, all the time. So, you know, this year we've done Riviere Record, which is, you know, fantastic band from, from France that just do this awesome kind of progressive post-rock stuff. Similar, in a similar vein to Foes as well. You know, they've just that, you know, really expansive, wide, you know, post-rock kind of stuff. Really amazing. And then, you know, some upfront rock stuff with, you know, with Bad Sign. Yes. Um, yep. You know, that record's fucking great. It's just a smasher of a rock record. Um, and then, you know, we've done I Trust Unclean and Harbinger, which are death metal and just straight up fucking solid British metal. Yeah. Um, you know, like we don't do one thing, and but at the same time, you know, I mean, growing up, Fuck, I mean, did you just listen to one style of music? I didn't. I mean, with the A&R process for me personally, I mean, you're an A&R guru, you can probably verbalise it better than me, but with me, if I get sent something, if it makes the hair on my arm stand up, I know, you know, I'm already halfway there. Then I just want to get to know the people, you know, are they switched on, are they going to tour? We have a really simple remit, and that is, if it's a good record, it's a good record. Mm Mm-hmm. And if we can help put it out or if, if we can, you know, work with a band that have got great songs, they're a great live band, you know, the songwriting's great and it makes sense for us to do it, then we'll do it. Yes. Like, like, that is it. There's no, there's no like, oh, you must sound like this or you must have, you know, you must use like this guitar processor or you must use the, I, it's all bullshit. Like I can't, I can't stress that enough. You know, that we, there was a whole you know, kind of that whole kind of gent thing that happened a few years ago and, and, and whatever. Like, um, you know, we had bands that were caught up in that, you know, with, with you know, Fell Silent and with Sky Harbour and with Chimp Spanner and, you know, and everything else. And that's fine. But if you notice, you know, we deliberately stayed away from that hype, that word. Yes. We didn't, we never put any samplers out with the word gent. We never had gent in any of our press releases. We didn't have, and that was a really conscious thing because we knew that, it was a hype word and it was a kind of, it was, a, it was something that was just happening at that time. It's flavour of the month. It was, yeah, yeah and, and that's fine. But, if, but the thing is, again, if you listen to those, like the Uneven Structure album, again, going back to favourites, that's one of my favourite records we've ever put out, the Feberus record. It's just start to finish a fucking masterpiece. You, it's one of those things where you can just, you put it on, it's, it's like listening to a movie. Yes. You, it, it's a real journey from start to finish. Um, and I, you know, but it, but it sounds very, very different to Sky Harbour. You know, Sky Harbour got this, you know, super clean vocal, you know, just great kind of, you know, rock songwriting patterns and, you know, and everything else. Um, but it's, it, I don't know, you kind of, I, I just, I, I still look back on it and just say, did we put any records out because it made social sense for us to mm. do it or did we put records out because they were good records and I have to look back that's my thing can I look back on this in five years time and say we put that record out because it was a good record and so far 
<laughs> I'm, I can do it. Okay. Um, and that's that's honestly that's all I have in my mind yeah. when I when I I mean we've had tons of super talented bands, super talented musicians that have kind of come through, but for, you know to, they wanted to work with us or you know whatever else, and and I've you know I've turned down or we've you know it's, it's just kind of not worked out because. Again, you know, going back to what you're saying about canvas being canvas, you know, there's there are bands out there at the moment that are just too heavily influenced by the things they're listening to, mm -hmm. and it sounds like what they're listening to. Yeah. And I don't want to work with a band that sounds exactly like what they're listening to. I want to work, work with bands that sound like them. Yeah. Um, and and that's it. That's the bottom line. Yeah. So you know, as long as it's as long as it's heavy, I would say that's probably another thing to look for. I mean, we're not going to be putting out any country records or no, you know, no. folk or, you know, whatever else. But I don't draw the line. It must have guitars. Mm -hmm. You know, again, algorithm. You know, that first record we put out, I think there's a couple of guitars on it, but the rest is electronics. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, for me, it's, is it interesting? Is it a good record? That's it. You know, I think it has to be probably, we, we work within the heavy music sphere. It's going to have to be heavy yes, at yes. some point. Yeah. But, you know, how that heaviness... But again, going back to the algorithm, what genre is it? It's exactly. Not, it's not. Yeah. It's not a genre. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, Remy will probably fucking hang me for, for, you know, for not saying what it is. But, I mean, I, like, for me, I don't give a shit. I don't, I don't need to, like, put a label on it. I just, I listen to it and I'm yeah. like, this is fucking mental. Yeah. Like, this is, like, I've not, there isn't anyone else that sounds like that. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. like, not exactly like that. When I, when I hear Remy's work, I know it's Remy. Like, I don't, you know, I mean, we haven't worked with, we haven't, didn't work with him for the last record. Um, and, you know, we, the, but the, I heard a track and instantly, I can't remember where it was. I don't know if the PR guys were listening to it or something like that. And I was like, that's Remy. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it's a new demo we've just got through. And I was, it's, it's instant. You know it's him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what he does is just fucking crazy. Like, just, you know, he's, he's an electronic producer, but he comes from the metal world. Um, and so just smashes up all these beats with, you know, kind of, you know, records his own live, you know, when he plays live, plays with a live drummer, live guitarist. And it's a fucking monster show. It's yeah. just the two of them on stage with the most mental sound you've ever heard it's awesome yeah you know, I, I, I still love him to bits saw him in germany two weeks ago he's fantastic so what, what does the day-to-day -day, like basic obviously you're a &R director what have you but who else is in the fold who's part of the picture um well i mean i guess you know being a kind of small label um you know people kind of come and go i mean it's mainly me mm -hmm. um but you know megan's been working with us for the last couple of years yeah um, she's been fantastic. Um, you know, she's been doing a lot of kind of just assisting me really with everything. Yeah. Um, there isn't like, you know, being such a small label, as you know, you have to do everything. Yeah. You know, you don't have the luxury of like, well, marketing, that's my job and yeah. I, I don't yeah. do anything else. It's, you know, you have to do everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, but the interesting thing that I've done with Megan is, is said to her, I want her to have the experience of, you know, working an album campaign and, you know, bringing a band in from scratch yeah. and just saying, okay, yeah, you can negotiate, you can do the deal. You know, you, from an A&R perspective as well, you bring the band in, like, you know, you, you know, if you want to bring the band in and I think it makes sense for the label to do it, I'll step back, you work the, work the band, work the campaign, you know, do the deal, mm. get the record out, start to finish so you can actually have that experience yeah. of just, you know, doing the whole thing yourself. Um, well, it's like, I mean, adversely, she could have gone and got a job, at, you know, a massive independent or a major, yeah. and she would be just, you know, a cog in a small bit of PR or a, yeah, yeah, that, that section sure. of marketing, I mean, which yeah. isn't a bad thing. You'll be really good at it. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, it's, again, it's not for everybody, but mm. I mean, I, you know, I just don't have the luxury of being able to say, oh, here's the, <laughs> here's the production department. You know, yeah. Like, you know, here's the, it, just, it just doesn't happen like that. No. It's, 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 you know, you have to be realistic. Um, you know, the being a label the size that we are, you, you know, we have to do everything. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so, but you know, that's cool. And then, yeah, I mean, uh, we, we also run, you know, a kind of shop thing mm -hmm. on the side, which is great as well. Um, and uh, Jack has been in kind of pretty much managing that. Um, but I mean, I, I kind of oversee all of that stuff. And it, I mean, largely it's still me kind of making the decisions. Yeah. And yeah. me, you know, me that has to kind of, uh, 
you know, live and die by the sword, I guess, um, when things go well and when things don't go well. Um, because let's face it, some things don't go well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, day to day, I mean, you know, apart from kind of putting too much of a sweeping brush over it, is is everything. Mm-hmm. You know, from you know negotiating contracts to you know going to see those bands live, and and I mean, the the, the fun part that I you know that I feel that I'm actually good at is the is probably the the actual. And I, I kind of treat it more as like an old school kind of A and R role, um, whereby. You know, for me, it's really important to go and sit down with bands in the studio um, and sit down with them when they're writing mm-hmm. um, and just give some feedback and just kind of hear how songs are developing and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, you know, again, with the Canvas record, you know, I sat down with them in their rehearsal studio and went through the songs, went through the pre-prods, you know, we kind of discussed some things and whatever just so that, you know, just so that really they're getting the best out of their songwriting. And that is old school because I don't think there's many independents now that are no, doing that. No, there aren't. And, and I, I mean, th- th- don't get me wrong, it's not always like that. It's, you know, sometimes you're, you're just, a record turns up in your inbox. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, this is cool. And, <laughs> yeah. then, and then you put it out. And, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously there's, it's not quite that easy. There's a lot of other stuff that goes on in between. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, some, I mean, sometimes it's like that. Um, but... The ones I feel, I feel like the ones where it kind of is really we've really got the most out of it are the ones where you, you're in early. You know, the Create to Inspire record is a good example yeah. of that. The Napoleon record is a good example of that. You know, I was in you know fucking driving to Devon to sit in with you know the guys in their rehearsal room. Uh, that's another there. band I forgot to leave out when I mentioned your bands earlier. Napoleon, mm. what a fucking record that is! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I heard a, a podcast you did with someone else and. I couldn't agree anymore. Um, Sam from Napoleon, mm. a once in a generation guitarist, is, and I yeah. couldn't agree anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, again, that's that's the kind of people I want to work with. You yeah. know, like that's that. You know, you you have to be that level. You know, Sam Sam is. I mean, he's he's a he's a fucking freak of nature, and he's you know he's just such a fantastic guitarist. Mm-hmm. But but not only that, he's 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 creative. He's, you know, for me, it's, you can be the best guitarist in the world, but if you can't write songs, who fucking cares? You know, another just, thing for me on my A and R side of thing as well, and I see it in you know not just this world, you know, in, in any career it can go for really. You, what upsets me is when I see someone that's super fucking talented, but I think it's almost worthless if you can't show up on time. <laughs> do, do you do you understand that? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, have I you do. come across that before? Oh, wasted talent. <sighs> yeah, I mean a little bit. Um, I mean, I just find it really sad. I'm just like, you could, you could literally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it, it is sad. You're right, it, mm. but it and it does happen. Um, and the other thing is, is that that kind of ties into that conversation, you know, about when you sit down with people and find yeah. out how committed they are. Um, yeah, you know, and that kind of stuff. And it's it, it can be quite frustrating, but I always always say that it is not the job of a label to motivate the band. Mm-hmm. It's not. You know, if the band can't motivate the band, then something is very, yeah. very wrong. Um, you know, it shouldn't be down to anybody else, manager, label, or anything, to, to for, you know, to get the fire in the belly of the band. Yeah. That fire needs to be there. Yeah. You know, first and foremost. And if it's not, then everyone else is in trouble. Um, so, you know, that can... That can be frustrating, but I mean, luckily, I, you know, it doesn't. That's why it's important to work with people early. I think, yeah, um, because people can deliver, and especially with today's, you know, kind of production skills and you know, and, and the the technology that's available, people can just fucking send you an amazing sounding record, you know, and you're like, oh, great, and get really excited about it, and then you go and see the band live, and they either suck live and can't, you know, perform anywhere near how it sounds on the record, or they can perform like that. But then you sit down and have a talk to them about their, you know, and try and find out what makes them tick and get a sense of the personalities and, you know, and everything else. And quite often it can be, ah, again, yeah, a bit of a shame yeah. that it's not quite ticking as it should be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, don't really have that, you know, crop up too often. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, definitely, you know, the, you know, Napoleon guys are uh, very, very motivated. Wes has been great since he's come on. We had a lot of problems early on with vocalists. 
Um, but since Wes has been on... I mean, that record was just such a long time coming. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it took fucking forever. But, you know, but I'm glad I'm, I'm glad now. I, I kept saying that to the guys as well, you know, I guess with the benefit of being a little bit older than them, um, maybe, and having some a little bit more experience perhaps, but, you know, not to not to condescend them, but but it, but it's true. You know, they were just like, fucking just get this record out, just get it out, you know, and as soon as they delivered the Masters, they were like... Can we put it out next week? And I'm like, yeah. You know, I'm just like... No. Oh, my God. I, that's you know. a whole other podcast in itself. It's going to slow down. Um, yeah. But, I, 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 mean, that, I mean, you know, but I, I could understand their frustrations. Yeah. But what I was trying to say to them was, is that, look, when you look back on this, you'll be glad that, you know, I mean, and that, yeah. it was, I mean, just things like it took time to get, you know, we, we recorded that album in like four different places. Drums were done somewhere, guitars were done somewhere else, vocals were done somewhere else as well. But, you know, again, with each of those sessions, I tried to kind of sit in on right. those recording sessions and just, I mean, especially with Wes, you know, it was his first album, um, you know, with a, with a new band after he kind of split from his previous band and stuff. And the writing style was very different, um, you know, and, and he was, you know, he's, I mean, he's fantastic, but, but for me, it was kind of just sort of sitting in, not to like... I wasn't trying to protect my investment, but it was more just like kind of helping him on a purely on a creative, yeah. you know, side. And and you know, I, I would have liked to have sat in with with him when he was recording takes more, but you know, kind of time didn't allow. But I'm glad I did for the for the couple of days that I, that I managed to get down there. Mm. Um, and uh, and yeah, so you know, kind of. I, I, that whole kind of process is just really important to me personally. Same with the Create to Inspire album. You know, yeah. I, they have a rehearsal room over in Essex. You know, I went over there with earplugs and, you know, we'd go through the songs and, we, you know, they'd be sending the demos. And this is before we've even had conversations about which studio we might want to go and record the album in and, yeah. you know, and everything else. And, yeah, I mean, that that probably is a little bit old school. Um, but I'm fucking old school, I guess. I, I just, I, like, I kind of grew up um, certainly admiring, um, you know, a lot of those kind of old school A&Rs. Like, even just, you know... Uh, even A and R's from from some of the majors that were kind of you know working with kind of major pop acts and stuff and just you know reading those you know those stories you know about the guys from you know Electra and Sire Records and you know the people that were working with Madonna and you know kind of just doing these like amazing albums and you kind of understand that what you know the journey they've taken to get to making these incredible yeah. records it, it, they didn't just turn up and make an incredible record you know like. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, I, I don't think people realise the the amount of work that goes in to sometimes when you when you hear that kind of final product and you're like, oh, cool, they made a great record, but there's like fucking years of history that, and mm. you know, years of development and you know and everything else to, until it gets to that point. I, I mean, I saw the most frustrating thing the post most frustrating post ever on Facebook a few weeks ago. Someone posted. Something like, I can't believe people are charging 10 quid for CDs when it costs like 20p to make. <laughs> like, uh, what about like the thousands on recording and everything else, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I, I, mean, I don't think, not many people really fully understand the economics no, of an uh, album. No, and I guess it's not their job to, no, it's no. not their prerogative to, to understand. But I, I guess when they question it, if you're going to question it, then you need, you probably, the same with if you question anything, mm -hmm. you need to know the facts. Yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah, I mean, I've heard that, you know, hundreds of times, but it, I mean, it, and it never gets easier to convince people that, that you know, and I, I think that's kind of, that is, that for me is a whole other podcast, the value of music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I mean, you know, I mean that just not in, in terms of monetary, but culturally, you know, culturally, you know, I think that we've got a, a huge disparity between what we, you know, what we collectively value a piece of music, you know, at. Um, and not just the music we work with. I'm talking about music in general. Um, but yeah, that's a whole other podcast. So <laughs> a moment ago, you touched on you know all these A&Rs you looked up to. What kind of labels did you look up to, or still look up to? Yeah, I mean, I, I still look up to, to tons of labels. I mean, a, a huge a huge A&R influence for me was Monty Connor, mm -hmm. um, and you know the work. The work that he was doing at Roadrunner, like late eighties to the mid nineties, uh, like coming into the late nineties, um, it's fucking untouchable. It's, I mean, it's absolutely untouchable. Mm -hmm. If you look at what you know, Roadrunner was signing between eighty eight and ninety eight. Fucking hell, you know. I mean, it goes beyond that as well. But for me, that that period yeah. 
um, you know, of, the, of kind of, of bands that are kind of coming through that, that really just were, you know, making the albums of their careers, um, you know, that, that they're still touring off of now. Yeah. And still having their most kind of successful tours are the, you know, the nostalgia tours that are kind yeah. of going around. And, you know, again, that's a whole other podcast. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I mean, he was, I mean, you know, massive, massive influence. Um, Steve Joe at Century Media. Yeah. Um, when he, you know, the, again, the kind of, you know, the sort of first, I guess, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say the first kind of five to ten years of, of him working there and then he left and then he came back and... Um, and what's interesting for me is is that I guess they're kind of you know some of the kind of bigger metal labels and the and the people that kind of worked at those. Um, Steve's now a personal friend of mine, and that's just that just fucking blows my mind. Where I'm just yeah. like, okay, you know, this is great. He'll just fucking Skype me and just be like, oh, you should check out this band. And I'm like, <laughs> cool. Steve Joe's Skyping me to say listen to this band. So it's like, so cool. Like it's such a weird industry because you grow up looking to these people. They're not necessarily famous, but you always look up to these people. Yeah, yeah. And then once you start working with them, it's such like mm. a well, weird... You know, at the, at the top of this podcast, I was saying about people that, that put their hand out to me and Steve mm. was one of them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's how we ended up working with Iron Dissonance was because of Steve Joe. Right. Um, you know, he was just like, you guys are fucking... I, like, I, I couldn't fucking believe it when... <laughs> And this will be funny to you because you know you'll you'll know the reference and you'll know the the venue and the, well, what I'm talking about. But he, we did our fifth birthday party um, as a label at the Student Union in, Lu in Luton <laughs> um, and at the university. And then afterwards, we did an after party at the Edge uh, nightclub, which is mm -hmm. the fucking worst nightclub. It's the pit. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's like you know, and it's a local venue. It's a you know, it's a local club. And but whatever, we were like, we're going to do this party. We've got a curfew. You know, so we're going to have this this thing at the club afterwards. Steve Joe emails me with uh, Jens, uh, who's head of A&R, who was his head of A&R for Central Media, still is for Europe. Steve is working in their US office. Steve emails me and says, me and Jens are going to fly into Luton and come to your birthday party. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I say, all right, yeah, cool, no worries. And then uh, I'm just thinking, like, they're going to pop in. Like, even that's blown my mind. Yeah. And then he says to me after the show, so you've got this after party. I'm like, yeah, it's Edge. So I take Steve, Joe and Jens <laughs> to the Edge <laughs> for, dr for drinks, um, for, like, for an aftershock. <laughs> Fucking hell. And, then, and just standing in the Edge nightclub in like my, for want of a better word, hometown with Steve, Joe <laughs> drinking aftershock. Was the most fucking bizarre yeah. night of my life. Well, it wasn't the most bizarre. It was one of the most bizarre nights of my life. Um, so yeah, so that was interesting. But Steve was great in the in in our early days in terms of, you know, helping hands and just making connections mm -hmm. and you know that kind of stuff. You know, I went out to to South by Southwest with not really knowing anyone, not really kind of. But I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to go. Yeah. Just, you know, say hello to everyone, whatever. Steve was great. He was there. He was like, oh, let me introduce you to a couple of people, and and you know. They're kind of people that I've been introduced to that I have great relationships yeah. with now, um, you know, and and you know that he's he's been great. So him, um, and I'd say probably finally Julie Weir, um, mm -hmm. Invisible Noise. Yeah, um, she's now at Music for Nations at Sony, um, but she was another one that you know just kind of don't know, just was just great. And yeah, she still is. You know, she's such a knowledgeable person. Um, just you know, you always got the time of day for you. Doesn't suffer falls easily, which is which is good, <laughs> um, and nor should she. But um, but she was she was really helpful to me, um, and and still is, and she's still someone that I would go to if I've got yeah. a problem or if I've got something we you know that I, I feel that we you know needs work or you know something like that. And um, and uh, yeah, so I think you know b between that, there's a whole bunch of people that helped us out early on and that I looked up to. Um, and uh, yeah, still do. So I think the most out of my fucking depth I've ever felt in my life was um, you got AIM to reach out to me to invite me to one of the rock and metal meetings. Yeah. I rock up like 20 minutes late, never been there before. You know, <laughs> it was in the PPL office, which is funny because I ended up working there six months later. But, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I rock up 20 minutes late. And by the, you know, before I got there, I'd, I'd read like who's in the meeting. All these labels like Hopeless, obviously yourself. Metal Blade, like Julie Weir was there, I think. And um, 
I've never felt so out of my depth. Like I just started <laughs> this fucking record label out of my bedroom. Then I rock up and there's all these big labels there. I was like, fuck, like this is this is weird. Yeah. And it's again, it's like that dynamic, all these labels have looked up to, and then, you know, all of a sudden I'm sat around this table with them. But that was the whole point of the meeting. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in a nutshell. I mean, obviously there was there were well, that was the whole point of those collective meetings was that you know, for me, kind of chairing those meetings, I, I you know, I wanted to demystify it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to break it all down because yeah. because for me, you know, kind of coming through, there was there was so many closed doors, there was so many kind of dead ends, so many, you know, so much smoke and mirrors mm-hmm. that you you kind of fucking don't know your ass from your elbow, and you're and you're just like, well, how, who do I speak to? How do yeah. I get anything done? And so you know, for me, it was really important to have like you know Dan Tobin from Earache, like just you know fucking the guy knows everything about metal yeah you know sitting at that table um you know julie um you know wally ex roadrunner just you know yeah. around that table just and just kind of you know people like that like you say you know we had you know fearless around there hopeless you know just kind of all of the the kind of the great you know independent labels that work in in rock and metal but interestingly you know we had you and we had you know a girl called pretty who's just started her own label you know based around her own band and you know mm-hmm. that she doesn't know anybody she you know but that's the point so you kind of get these people around the table and all yeah. of a sudden you're like cool, I know what that person looks like now. Yeah. And if I'm feeling fucking adventurous, I might go and say hello. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? And, but that was, yeah. the, that was the point. We'd have the drinks afterwards. Yeah. So you had a point where you could be like, yeah, come for a beer and then, you know, cool. So you have a beer and say, oh, hi, I'm such mm-hmm. and such. And that was the whole point. I just, you know, that was, you know, sort of really, really important thing for me to for me to be involved with and me to do. So. Are, you, are you still involved in AIM? Still, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm still doing some, some work with AIM. That's really, really busy. Um, so just for the people that don't know on the podcast, just... Give a brief overview of what AIM kind yeah, of is. Yeah, sure. So AIM is a, is a trade body. It's the Association of Independent Music and basically it represents um, copyright holders, so largely labels mm-hmm. uh, that, that kind of own or license or administer um, copyrights and sound recordings. Um, and basically what it is is a, is a collective uh, trade organisation that, that represents those labels in the best way possible and, and kind of you know, fights uh, fights causes for, you know, on their behalf. So, when, you know, when there's a, a copyright issue with somebody like YouTube or, you know, payment structures with, you know, with, you know, those kind of deals and or Apple is launching a new music service called Apple Music and they haven't licensed any independent content, mm-hmm. that's where we get kind of involved with, like, yeah. why the fuck haven't you? And, you know, get sort of big people within the independent community like Taylor Swift and, you know, those kind of people to really, you know, kind of have a voice out there to represent, you know, the independent community. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. We, you know, we, we do loads of work with all kinds of different people. You know, we have like a Friends of AIM scheme, which has everyone from like Vivo to Channel 4 to Shazam to, you know, whatever. So making connections for our label members with those companies and, you know, so, oh, fuck, I don't know who I need to speak to at Shazam to talk about, you know, this particular event or this particular, you know, playlist and how does that work? And mm-hmm. we make the connection because, you know, we know the person you need, to, you need to speak to at Shazam. So there's a lot of kind of that going on. And we, yeah. I mean, there's workshops, there's 101s for, you know, talking about, you know, kind of uh, negotiating contracts or, you know, metadata or, you know, all these kind of boring things that sometimes, you you, you know, you kind of overlook when yeah. you're, you know, getting carried away with the uh, the creative side of running a label but all of this other kind of you don't forget there's actually a lot of crap yeah, there's, a lot as of, well. <laughs> there's a lot of admin there's a lot of yeah. administri- administrative stuff that you need to do and and you know you need to do it properly you need to be good at it um, yeah. and you know so we do we run workshops for people to come and come and sit and hear someone that's been doing it for 20 years you know kind of give their best practices and you know that kind of stuff and you know do workshops with youtube to get the best out of your channels and you know all that kind of stuff so yeah yeah, so I mean, it's you know, for me, that again, it's a personal thing. It's kind of you know, I I find that that's really valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it wasn't something that I had when I first started the label, um, but we want to you know definitely be able to give that to you know to newer labels kind of coming yeah. through and make sure that they've you know that they're given a fighting chance. It's not like we said at the top of this. It's not easy. Um, it's really really difficult running a label, and it's difficult to try and make any money out of it. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, we're just trying to help wherever possible. So I'm just conscious that I've I've had you for just coming up to an hour. Wow! <laughs> I mean, good. I could fucking we could speak about so many other things. I'm sure we'll do another <laughs> podcast down the road. Um, but just kind of closing statement: where where do you want basic to be in the next few years? What's next? 
Um, I think, I mean, for me, it's, it's really, it's only ever been about, and it sounds really wanky, but it's only <laughs> ever been about organic growth. Like, it really, it genuinely yeah. has. Like, I, you know, we've, I've never wanted to be, you know, kind of, right, we're going to be the next big fucking label that does this, that and the other. And it doesn't mean I'm not ambitious, but it, it just means that I know how many releases and how many bands I need to work with to, for that to happen. Yeah. And that's not what I want to do. Like, I, I don't want to put out volume. Like, I'm, I'm not interested in turn, turning bands over, like turning albums over. Mm. I'm just, I, like, they, I don't need to. You know, if I, if I had to, then maybe I'd consider it, but I don't need to. I've, I'm not at the stage where I feel like, you know, I need to have six releases, seven releases every month. Like, that to me just sounds like you're putting records out for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The, but, however, if you notice the trends, you know, there's some of the, the, the massive, massive labels, like, that's what they have to do. Um, and that's fine. You know, that's, they're going to gonna make way more money than I ever will. And, <laughs> you know, they're going to have way more success. But, you know, for me, it's really down to my kind of personal preference and, and, and you know, kind of what I am happy with. Yeah. I would much rather just work with, you know, bands that are releasing fantastic records that I can just say, yeah, I know every one of those records. I I do wonder sometimes when you're just like, you've got that many records coming out, like, how do you, how do you, how how have you given that record enough time to really love it, to really live with it, to really, and maybe people do. I mean, I don't know. I've never put that amount of records out, so I I don't Mm -hmm. know. Um, from first-hand experience but but yeah for us it's, it's really just a case of continue to find interesting innovative <laughs> bands to work with um and and just like i said you know above all great records to put yeah out. um and we'll just continue to do that what a great note to end on um, <laughs> let's go to the black heart and smash a beer Thanks. hey if you've made it this far Thank you for listening and I hope you've enjoyed. Follow Crooked Noise on all of the socials for updates on our latest releases and future podcast guests. Thank you to our dudes in Lifetight for letting us use their song Energy on this podcast. And we'll see you next time.